0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back. It's Doreen Kennelly, and I'm here with my husband, Jack. And we're hosting today's Real Presence Live. We're very excited to um, have you meet and hear the stories of our next two guests Michael and Maureen McGinnis. Um, they have a very beautiful story of their journey into the Catholic Church to share with us today.
2: Right, and 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 uh, Mike, I'm going to take a little bit of your thunder, maybe, and just to explain to our guests that you have a bit of a celebrity coming in here. Mike is the dean of the University of North Dakota Law School, but he's here to talk to us as a, a convert to Catholicism, and I'm sure that... Uh, Maureen is a celebrity in her own right as well.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Thank thank you, Jack and Dwayne. It's a pleasure to be with everyone this morning. And I'm Mike McGinnis. As Jack said, I'm the dean of the UND School of Law. I just preface by saying my comments uh, this morning are in my personal capacity and not in my uh, professional role. But I'm just delighted to share our journey and talk about our, our our way to the Catholic faith and and what it's meant to us.
2: Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for your lawyerly lawyerly disclaimer. I'm sorry, Maureen, I cut you off there. Go ahead.
4: No, you're fine. I was just going to say, I'm Maureen McGinnis and I am a, a homemaker and, and I take care of my mother right now. And, uh, no, my, my, my
2: views will be my own also. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. well, well, let's 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 get to it. Why don't you just give us a little bit of background about yourselves and, uh, you know, where it all started.
3: Oh, thanks, Jackie. I'll, I'll go ahead and start. I uh, was born in, in southern Delaware, so born and raised, um, and I was uh, baptized in the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, as a young person, um, confirmed in that church. Uh, and attended uh, somewhat regularly, but not too regularly, um, but then kind of lost my way a bit in my teenage years. Um, went to college in, in, in Maryland, in the Eastern Tour of Maryland, and uh, met Maureen uh, when I was a sophomore and she was a freshman, um, and coincided with some various things that led me back to uh, walking in faith um, and to dedicating my life to, to Christ as a Protestant um, and an evangelical Christian. Uh, as Maureen was, she'll talk more about that herself and her path that way, but uh, that was my early life. Um, so I was a uh, uh, in, in, in a Protestant church and a mainline church, but not particularly active in my faith, and so I became a, um, uh, a college student and met Maureen.
4: And for myself, I was actually born into a Catholic family, and uh, my brother is 9 years older, my sister is 12 years older, and they went through... Catholic education, and, uh, my brother likes to remind me that he was an altar boy. And, <laughs> um, I, <laughs> and I, uh, was baptized by my great uncle Joe, uh, when I was about seven days old. Um, but, uh, yeah, so no, my life went along as a Catholic until I started CCD, which is religious edge, and, uh, We've been going for a little while, not not long. I don't remember much about it, but um, we. Uh, one day, I knocked on the door of the bathroom to let mom know it was time to go to CCD, and she told me, "We're not going to the Catholic Church anymore." So that was the end of my Catholic experience. Um, my my cousins, of course, being Catholic, they took me down to their basement. Why aren't you going to the Catholic Church anymore? And. No, my parents never explained it to me, just the fact that we were now going to the Assembly of God Church in town. Uh, The Jesus People movement had made it to my small town, and uh, we were going to the Assembly of God Church. And I was raised with very fundamentalist views. Um, My parents had, like, basic tenants that they followed, and when we moved, it would always be finding a church that that suited their basic tenants. Um And that's where my life led me to Washington College, where I met Mike, and it's been beautiful.
3: <laughs> 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 she, was, she was a freshman, and I was a sophomore, and we met. Um, our roommates were uh, dating, so we yes, got together that My year. roommate
4: was dating his roommate, and oh. she
3: shared with me about her, she shared with me about her faith, and and I looked into it more. And my sister is also an evangelical Christian, still is, and uh, a Protestant. And she shared with me some books of C.S. Lewis um, uh, that really resonated with me. So uh, that's kind of how it all came together. We were married after. She graduated from college, and I finished my first year of law school at William & Mary down in Williamsburg, Virginia.
4: Weekend after I graduated, because my father told me you were finishing college. Oh, (laughs) and you were obedient.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The Weekend after, we got married. (laughs) Oh, wow, busy time. Isn't it interesting how many people's um, faith journeys into the Catholic Church have C.S. Lewis somewhere tagged on their journey? Um, he's helped a lot of people into the church, but he himself didn't make it right. quite, <laughs> he didn't take the leap.
3: No, absolutely, but it, it meant it a lot to me. In your Christianity and um, some of his other works, uh, it, it kind of connected with me, um, and I was, I can see how it was part of the pieces that came together ultimately to when we entered the church in, in just the last couple of years.
4: Yeah. And one of the other writers, Tolkien, is one of those those secret ones that you always hear about in the evangelical circles. And I'm like, wait a minute, he was a Catholic? No. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. oh, okay. <laughs> yes.
1: yeah. And the uh, great era they came out of, yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, it's kind of like there's stealth evangelism going on there where these the, these writers who are not necessarily identified as Catholics but are in what they write. Right. Yeah, and they've influenced yeah. a lot of people,
1: and yeah, it
3: speaks and also, truth. I was an English major in, in mm-hmm. college, and so I was very interested in literature, and I I really enjoyed Dante Alighieri, who's a Catholic mm. uh, poet, Divine Comedy. Uh, so I can see there were different influences that were there, different presences um, along my path that all came together later in life. Um, but I was uh, those were those were all pieces that that were were part of that journey.
1: Well, isn't it good to look back to and and see what God placed there and how you took his bait? Absolutely.
4: <laughs> <Yes.
2: laughs> yes. Yeah, I suppose you don't really recognize it for bait until, you know, you get to look back on it. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> Looking back, yeah. yes. That's is 2020. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yes. All right, so you met in college, was there a particular, and it was through your your common roommate, or your, the roommates that were dating each other. And, yeah. um, okay, so now we are, um, you're married, and... Yeah.
2: You you're, you were kind of, you were uh, uh, reasonably active uh, in your faith, it sounds like.
3: Yeah, yeah, we, we I would describe, at least describing myself at, at that time was what I call ecumenical evangelical, mm-hmm. which is not particularly denominational, but uh, we uh went to um, church in Delaware when I after graduating from law school um went up to Delaware to uh start as a judicial law clerk um in Georgetown which is southern Delaware and then ultimately settled into uh the upstate Delaware, the more urban uh, southern of uh, basically the Philly suburbs you might call it a little bit. Yeah. Uh and practiced there um uh, for, for a number of years. Uh but attending different churches, uh, mainly Baptist. But also other non-denominational evangelical churches. Right. And, um, the, I guess the turning point, uh, I think as, uh, it went through our, uh, our, our faith, uh, that really was a challenge was when I was, uh, 27 years old in 1995, um, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma or Hodgkin's disease, which is a, a cancer of the lymphatic system and, uh, went through five months of chemotherapy and then had a relapse. Um, and then it was a very aggressive uh, lymphoma. so I had to have a uh, stem cell transplant uh, so it was high dose chemotherapy. And one of the things that really stands out is how that marks it was a deepening in terms of relationship with God and my my, my faith and, and in those respects, the challenge of going through that as a family. Um, but one thing that really stands out and I reflected on for for years after that was, the prayers that were lifted up from my co workers um, at the law firm I was practicing in, who were Catholic. Um, they gave me prayer cards. They told me they were praying the rosary for me. I didn't know much about what that meant, but um, it's I, one of those, those graces that were given then that really formed a really positive impression of what Catholic faith lived out is that it's this generosity and giving and caring for others. Um, and that was very important to me, in in, in how it influenced um, my uh, my sense of the church and my sense of of what being a Catholic was.
1: Mike, I'm going to um, just interject there. I think that's a really, really important thing for our listeners and for myself to to consider. They supported you knowing you weren't Catholic, but they supported right. you without um, shame or you know without trying to hide. Their own Catholic faith, and mm. what you received was the love that they gave to you. I think so often as Catholics, we try to be generally Christian. You know, when we're when we're um, meeting or or expressing, you know, love or affection for others outside of the Catholic Church. But these people were—I um, would even use the word bold—in supporting you by telling you that they were praying the Rosary. I just, I just. Really appreciate knowing that because I think we all need yes. the confidence to truly be who we are unashamedly as Catholics. Thank you for sharing that piece of the journey.
3: Yeah, oh, it meant a, a lot. a lot to. I mean, had, there were pictures of the Blessed Mother and the cards, and there were very specific things that were particular to Catholic faith. Yeah,
2: wow! It, it seems like it's a lot more effective kind of evangelization than you know the uh, you know our popular. Uh, understanding of proselytization,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, right.
2: You know, you're not getting beat over the head. You're just kind of being gently introduced, and um, you in, know,
1: in in, in a loving action. You know, it was support of of you in a difficult time in your life. So yes, oh, that was that's they yeah.
2: they probably didn't even know that they were kind of directing you to that uh, dark path of. <laughs>
3: That's absolutely right. I, absolutely correct. And I'll, I'll also say that, um, you know, I, I, that made a real impression. One thing that was also really important to both of us in terms of our beliefs was our pro life beliefs, um, being op- opposed to abortion. And that one of the same secretaries that worked at the firm who was, um, who had been praying for us, I knew also she, there was one of the clients of the firm, it was a large firm in Delaware who had fan privilege as one of the clients. And um, she, specific, I knew this, that she would not work on those cases. The lawyer she worked for had them, but she made sure she would not touch those cases. Yeah. And I remember that was a real example for me of, of conscience and, and living out your faith and and I remember having the same food, so if I'm ever asked to work on that, I'm going to refuse because that's counter to my, my convictions. But seeing that as an example of a Catholic who, you know, she she was being asked to do it and she said, no, I'm not going to do it, um, that really stood out
2: as well. Right. Oh, I'm sure that took a lot of courage on her part. Uh, Absolutely. Particularly yep. in, in, in a large law firm, who would probably has uh, you know uh, a very impressive list of uh, of clients.
1: What an inspiring example! <laughs> I want to know this woman. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Absolutely.
3: Now, it is a, she was very quiet. I remember that she was mm-hmm. very quiet. Underneath, mm-hmm. um, but soft, and uh, that was a good example. I. Mean, I the other, you know, I, I was always. I think Maureen's journey was a little different this way in terms of... I was
4: (laughs) a reference. I was a
3: reference. I never had sort of this sort of oppositional attitude um, towards Catholic Catholic faith. I was always admired say, Pope John Paul II. Uh, He was someone I looked up to as a strong leader and someone who was courageous. Um, And uh, there were examples like that Justice Scalia, who I'll talk about a little more in a bit in terms of more recent journey. There were people that were I admired. I had admiration for them, It just hadn't um made that made that uh, change to to the faith. But I'll let Maureen talk a little bit about her.
4: No, I had I had a bit of a rougher background with the with the Catholic faith, both with my you know, started out with my cousins, you know, interrogating me mm-hmm. and and no, I I remember one time we were at the the Assembly of God church, and my my mother introduced me to a lady who had come from the Catholic Church that we had you know used to attend. And my mother introduced her as um you know this this lady is is a she's a Catholic, but you know, not all Catholics are Christians, you know <laughs> um and and that just stuck in my mind that you know, my mother' saying not all not all Catholics are Christians just because just because they're they're in the Catholic Church doesn't mean they're Christian. So that that just stuck with me. It was just negative negative things that built up in my life that that caused me to have trouble with the Catholic faith. And and I gotta say, my my sister and my brother have both said like, "What, What are you doing? Why why would you why would you go back there? We left there." <laughs> and I'll say this to my sister, and she'll say, "Well, I had I had eight years of Catholic education. I know that, but." Yeah, no, for some reason it didn't really take for them and it was it, I've always had just such negative negative views of the Catholic Church. We grew up with with chick tracks with Jack Chick Jack Chick and mm-hmm. and the negative news that he used to espouse and no, it was it was a trying time in in our family for for Catholicism, yes, no. So no I I I appreciate that Mike was, was patient with me. Getting into the Catholic Church, I just it, it took some. He 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 jumped in, and I just had to kind of follow along. And and eventually, I did have my light bulb moment, and and I'm I'm all in. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Well, wow! I mean, those are those are pretty major obstacles when it is coming from your family. The you know the yeah. questions about or the the comment about not all Catholics are Christians. Um, I can <laughs> see where that would be. Major um, difficulty to overcome because of the relationship, and then yeah, you know, because of the misinformation. Yeah. I guess
2: there's there's a yeah. so- there's a song that I've heard by a woman who writes and sings funny songs, and it's called "Help." I'm turning into my mother. I'm, <laughs> wondering, I'm wondering if if you had had an ex- if you had an experience on your journey, and maybe I'm get jumping ahead on you, but did you ever have an experience where it's "Help"? I'm turning into a Catholic. <laughs>
4: because yeah, no, I mean, what am I? Am I giving up my my Christianity? Right. No, no, they actually can go together, and that that was the beauty of the RCIA program was was learning the 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 Christian faith in light of Catholicism. Because I knew my Christian faith, but to have it enlightened by Catholicism, it, it it was enlightening. It was wow, they they actually go together. What did you What do you know? <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Now, you mentioned you were pro-life, and I think that's kind of interesting, you know, uh, I think, uh, you know, coming from your background, not not that, uh, you know, other denominations are not pro-life, but you were very pro-life. What prompted that? I
3: think with, um, yeah, I think with the, it was Maureen, because it's, it's her father um, was very was one of that. my
4: family's tenets, if you will, that they followed. The church that they would go to had to be pro-life. Um, yeah, that was, honestly, that was instilled in me from the get-go.
3: And I learned about it when I was first dating Maureen and would visit her home, and um, her dad had uh, books up in, his, in the loft that I would sit there and read them, and they were books about her life and different issues, and it really opened my eyes to that. Um, so it, it came to it came something that it was very important to me um, at an individual level, and uh, but yeah, that was but that was a, a point of connection where I, from that point, I said, I really admire the work that Catholics are doing in right that area. They're really the leaders in this area. The, the evangelical churches often are part of that, but I, I saw the Catholic churches having That is so, so rooted so deeply that it was something okay. I really admired.
4: For me personally, though, I was nine years younger than my brother, 12 years younger than my sister, and it would have been, you know, my mother... Could have, could have thought of that as an option. I mean, she was starting to live her life. She was, she was getting back into working. She made costumes. She was starting to work. And, and I can imagine that, you know, as, you know, I don't want to be pregnant again. I don't, I don't want to go through infanthood again. I don't want to have to do diapers again. And, and I mean, you, you think of that, that, I mean, that, that could have been me. Right. That truly could have been me that, that's not here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Okay, we're, yeah. we're, we're I'm, I'm going to interject here. We're coming up on a break, and I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Real Presence Live with Jack and Doreen Canelli as your hosts, and our guests are Mike and Maureen McGinnis from Grand Forks, North Dakota, and we're talking about their journey into the Catholic Church. And so stay tuned. We'll continue our discussion after the break.
0: This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you desire to deepen your relationship with Jesus
2: Christ? If so, Broomtree Retreat Center near Irene, South Dakota invites you to register for a men's or women's Ignatian Silent Retreat in 2020. Every retreat is led by an experienced retreat director who will offer a series of points for prayer inviting you to a personal encounter with Christ. For more information, you can call 605-263-1040 or visit broom tree Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio, with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity?
0: I chose Mount Marty over at State School because of the small classroom sizes and because of the small faculty-to-student ratio. I want to be able to develop a relationship with my professors and not just be a number on the wall. Hello, my name is Mitchell Lonneman. I'm a junior at Mount Marty College, and I'm originally from Adrian, Minnesota. You can really develop relationships with your professors, and Mount Marty offers lots of opportunities, such as leadership positions and different clubs and activities to participate in. Mount Marty College. Experience the momentum.
2: Okay, we're back again live with Jack and Doreen Canelli as your hosts, and we're visiting with Mike and Maureen McGinnis about their journey into the Catholic faith.
1: All right, and I'm going to begin by backing up just a little bit. Mike and Maureen, um, you both mentioned the pro-life movement, and you know I've for years seen that as a very ecumenical um, kind of organization or mission or whatever. But I, I'm just curious, as a Catholic, how did you identify it with the Catholic Church? What was it um, that helped you recognize that the Catholic Church is um, very pro-life?
4: Well, as, as a teenager, when I was in high school, my sister, being 12 years older than me, was an adult, and she was involved with a group that was doing sidewalk counseling outside of an abortion clinic on Saturday morning. And uh, we would just Stand outside and and ask if anybody wanted any information about an alternative. And um no, that was that was my first good experience with Catholic people because the other people that were involved with this were Catholics. And uh no, that was that was that was I, I would say yes, you know, if we point back to our little little moments, yes, that would be that would be a little moment for me, would be, you know, realizing that that that, that was the, the primary people involved in this. Very, very good work.
1: So it was out on the sidewalk and you know so you met people that were actually living their beliefs is but, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh thank you. That's good to know too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. Um I'm trying to figure I'm trying to recall where we left off on your journey. You're 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 out of college, mm-hmm. you're married, and
3: um Mike's had cancer. Mike's had his Hodkins Lipona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm recovered from that. Um, I was uh, given a very dire prognosis, uh, which uh, uh, you know, basically between a 10 and 20 percent survival rate. Um, but uh, thank, thank the Lord, I uh, survived that, and our daughter had been was born right at the time when I was the first diagnosed. Our daughter Melanie. Um, and so, uh, you
4: discovered the cancer on the night
3: I was in labor. I actually discovered the cancer on the night when was in labor at the hospital. When um, I felt my neck and the lump was there where the lymph node was, uh, although I didn't realize it was cancer at the time, but then it turned out it was. But uh, thankfully recovered. But then kind of looked at a way to, you know, to redirect my time. I'd been putting in tons of hours at a at a law firm. Um, I thought is there th- things I can do with are there things I can do with my, my professional um, life that would be more meaningful to me than what I was doing. So I started working for the Delaware Supreme Court as a disciplinary counsel doing uh, standing up for ethics and uh, professional conduct and okay. uh, so lawyer I'm, cop. Yeah, but yeah, I'm calling <laughs> the lawyer cop, right? Um, but uh, and then did that for twelve years. Uh, we were attending a church um, in Delaware at the time and I was on the softball team. I had good friends there. daughter was a Our
4: daughter was baptized a, a daughter there, was
3: baptized there. Um, and uh, we it made the journey ultimately at the end of that time to uh, come out to North Dakota. I was, uh, I was teaching as an adjunct law professor uh, at Widener Law School in Delaware. I loved it and decided I wanted to pursue that as a full time uh, uh, occupation. And went on the market, visited out to North Dakota. Uh, just had a great visit here at Salt like home that felt like a good place um, that it would connect with with our values and our our uh, beliefs well and a place that we could feel comfortable and make a home because um, I'm a roots person I don't tend to, to pick up roots easily I put them down and I make them try to, uh, to really invest in where I am so we moved up 10 years ago it was 2010 so we made that move and uh, we tried to find a church home in the Protestant churches we never really, Connected, and then really quite settled in. Maureen, um, as mentioned, too, one of the things that we were, uh, uh, or, or we were looking for as a way to get a good youth group for Melanie because she was in high school at the time, and so we did that. We you know,
4: we focused on that being evangelical churches. You kind of just have to pick and choose what 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 are we looking for in the church because otherwise, there's just so many of them and so many directions that they all go in. There isn't that that homogenousness. So at that time we were looking for something that would be good for Melanie's spiritual growth, and no, it, no, it never, never quite had a fit.
2: No, she. You know, I, I, she was- I, I was going to ask when you mentioned that you were twelve years in the particular church before you moved, was that a matter of uh, liking that particular church and the pastor, or was it a matter of finding what you thought was a denomination that uh, actually, uh, yeah. you know, taught what you believe?
3: It was a combination. It was, it, was, it was also what I described as an ecumenical evangelical church. that
4: yeah, pastor was off. Awesome.
3: Good pastor. Um, so that. He talked about small, c Catholics. And, he, and, he, <laughs> and, he, and he, he was not negative on, on Catholicism. No, so it wasn't. That was another positive he, he
4: Catholic was,
3: moment. He was, yeah. a, he was a good man. And um, I also had friends there. As I said, I was a, they had a social network, a softball team, different things we did together. So
4: Definitely. there
3: wasn't that. It was a kind of... It, even though inside, I was never quite settled. I, didn't, I was still kind of Looking for different things and not really quite sure about issues, I would kind of like try to investigate and figure out what's the right answer on this. What's the right answer mm-hmm. on
4: that? They had a moms of preschoolers group and... that Melanie and I were in, and actually one of her very good friends that she still is in contact with it was from that group. Um, so yeah, no, that was it. Was it was a wonderful church?
2: Okay,
1: and... but you still sense a little something was missing. Is it, am I
3: hearing that correctly? At that point, absolutely. Okay. absolutely. Inside, I mean we're, we're doing those things, we have good friends, we have yeah. a good yep. pastor, but, but it wasn't it me. was not there was a sense of incompletion, I think uh. is a good way to put it. But it was something that was missing. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of I, I would go through stress at work and different things I was wrestling with in terms of those things, but I didn't really feel like I had a place to kind of really let that go and really and t- take care of those things. I think I can looking back it was uh there was a need for the sacraments. Um, that weren't there, um, and we'll mm-hmm. talk about that. One sort of the things mm-hmm. when we really when we we're here and started really look, looking into Catholicism, that was something that really still has there is access to the graces of the sacraments. That's something that just didn't wasn't part of our uh, vocabulary um, as as Protestants in the same in in, the, in anything the same way. No.
2: So you had to come to Fargo to find your faith. I excuse me, Grand <laughs> Forks. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I bet your I bet your families thought you were nuts.
4: Absolutely. Do <laughs> so you, know, you, know
3: you know how cold it is up there? <laughs>
1: Yes, it gives, gives us breaking <laughs> rights, right? <laughs> I,
4: I handedly help the local economy buying coats and gloves and scarves yeah. and <laughs> yeah. and, right. and boots and oh my word,
2: we've adopted. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Beautifully. Okay, so so you're in Grand Forks looking for a church. You think you found one?
3: And Melanie it was for know? Melanie. For Melanie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she went to college. She went to Bethel University in St. Paul. Um, and Evangel- that's again kind of an ecumenically evangelical uh, university. Dr.
4: General Conference. Dr.
3: General Conference, but they also tend that. She
4: considers herself an
3: actress. So, oh. Okay. Um, so uh, then she then gets flashed forward a little bit to 2016. Uh, kind of the next milestone is um, Justice Scalia passed away in February of that year. Um, and he was someone I knew to be Catholic. Um, admired him, as I mentioned a lot earlier, but um, really started kind of focusing on that aspect of his life when I was reading about his, his uh, what was important to him, what was valuable to him. And his son is a, a priest, a father, mm-hmm. Paul Scalia. And I can remember watching the the recording of the, the eulogy that was done that he did for his father, um, and just being really impressed. It just sort of kind of clicked together say, said, well, reflecting on it, I admire these people. I admire the things they stand for. What am I? You know, should I maybe be deep more deeply consider? I felt feeling so unrooted and not really connected.
0: Right.
3: Is there maybe I owe it to um, the Catholic faith and to myself and consider it to really dig into it to learn more? Um, either there are other writers. I, as a law professor, that I in my scholarship, I would cite Professor Robert George, who's a natural law. Um, uh, scholar and, and, and government and, 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 uh, and law at Princeton, and there were people I admired like that, and I thought, you know, why don't just really look into what they believe and why? Um, not just what I've heard about what they believe, but really look into it. So I started as I tend to be rather bookish, so I started buying books <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and going on the internet to you know, Catholic Answers, and I would look, and this was, I think it was something that was important, I would I was directed to good resources, not just, they give me get a kind of
4: Catholic resources for Catholic information. And,
3: and not mm-hmm. only that, but also Catholic resources. So, um, you yeah, know, I'm quickly avoiding resources from Franc- Franc- Franciscan University of Steubenville, um, um and, and getting ideas for what I should be reading. So I, I, I really feel blessed I was finding the right things. Um, I read Alan Shrek's the essential Catholic catechism. Uh, Father Leo Tressy's The Faith Explained, uh, Peter Kreet, uh, uh Catholics and Protestants, What Can We Learn From Each Other? So I was looking for those points of connection, mm-hmm.
4: yeah, a connection. George
3: Weigel, uh, Letters to a Young Catholic. So I really feel blessed that I was finding good resources that would be genuine, um, faithful Catholicism and understand what that's about. Um, and it really helped me to work through the questions that I had and the answers that the Catholic faith had for that.
2: We're, um, we're, go ahead, Mike.
3: <laughs> no, I was just going to say I, I don't want to ahead of Maureen all there, but ultimately we ended up. It was about a year of that process where we actually went to a mass. But I didn't do it to me, and I'm like, no, 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 I don't, I don't need to read anything just yet.
4: I don't need to read anything just yet. <laughs> but, but finally, I did say, okay, we'll we'll go to a mass. Like <laughs> go to a mass, and that that did it. That honestly did
3: it. Yeah, because uh, I. Uh, I had been sharing what I was learning with her, but then she was going to listen and and feel a little skeptical. But we went to a Mass in March of 2017 um, at St. Michael's, which is our parish now, and um, Father uh, Greg Heyman was the uh, parochial vicar, and he um, uh, uh, offered the Mass, uh, and it was just a completely different experience and I didn't I'd been doing one time I'd been in a Catholic church. I was eight years old when I was staying overnight at a friend's house. I hadn't been in a Catholic church ever since then. <laughs> well, um, but you
1: remembered yeah. that you did that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah,
3: that, <laughs> it was just a tremendous experience. I'll let Maureen talk a little bit about about what her part of the experience was. Yes,
4: yeah, so well for me it was it was a little stressful, I will say, being in the in the middle of the pew, like when everyone went up for communion. That, mm. was, that was a little awkward. It's stressful, but at the same time, I mean, oh, the beauty of the church, um, and that does draw me. Is, is the beauty and just just being able to the peacefulness of sitting in there and and the reverence in there, and and definitely the reverence with the priest delivering the uh, as he as he um word oh is um as he changes. To, oh, the to,
1: consecration to. of the mass.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the consecration, yes, and it's just it's it's just so beautiful the, the whole experience. And I know that really touched Mike too. Was that that experience of, of the consecration that first time?
3: Yeah, it was a it was powerful. I I as I was sitting there, um, you know, just taking it all in, and we had kind of read ahead to see, okay, what is it going to happen next? You know, what were you supposed to say? And you know, <laughs> we're mm-hmm. looking for things like, on how to do it right. I had, there was a moment when the consecration happened. When the priest said, uh, uh, "Father Haven this is my body.'" And I, it's difficult to describe. I describe it as a kind of an. It, it wasn't visual, um, but I had a very concrete sense of Jesus's presence, which I believe is a gift um, for that occasion to tell me that I should be doing this. That I needed that kind of. Since all the intellectual pieces, the aspects of truth were important. But I really had a sense of this gift of Christ's presence at that moment. It was almost like a, a light behind, not visually, but a spiritual light that was there. Um, like an encounter? That, yes, yes. And it was, it was real. Um, mm-hmm. Not visual, but as real as though I were looking at it and seeing it. That's a It's a difficult, very um, difficult, intangible thing to describe, but mm-hmm. uh, it was powerful, and I just... It was kind of silent. I couldn't really
4: yeah speak yeah, for a yeah. while
3: afterwards, and um, I shared that with Maureen, and uh, we decided we would follow up and see, visit with Father Hayman. We talked with him. He shared a good book with me on, just knowing I'm a
4: bookish person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the way you investigated heart just through a book.
4: <laughs> I investigated what, what were the responses we were supposed to know. Oh, okay. very good. good things, and and no, yeah. And then, then we, we just continued to go, go to Masses. Father Heyman was leaving right away, actually. And he gave our name to Father Metzger, who came in after him. Yep.
3: Excellent. And uh, he became the peripheral victor at St. Michael's. And uh, we were, when we, our first Mass was March of 2003. We were all, we were all set to do RCIA and like, well, I'm just finishing up this cycle. We'll start again in the fall. Um, and it, it was just wonderful. Father Metzger uh, was the RCIA teacher. I can't say enough about how important that was to our journey. He was amazing. Um, He's a gifted teacher. He truly has a charisma for for teaching, mm-hmm. and that meant so much to us in um, meeting with us and talking with us. And yes. he actually he, he he married us with our sacrament of matrimony in December of two thousand
4: seventeen. Um, because of course
1: I was Catholic, so I was supposed to be married to Catholic. Oh right, That's, yes. So you had that
4: okay. piece too. Yes. Right.
3: Yeah. Yes. It was just what a journey that was. And um so those of you who are uh in teaching RCIA or are involved in that in any way, um that those efforts and those uh those uh, things that are invested in that make such a difference. They really do. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, in addition to all of your reading, did uh did you ever listen to Catholic radio? It would have been uh, Real Presence you, <laughs> Radio started in Grand Forks.
3: Absolutely. In fact, uh, that, that was a, a really big thing. I, I spent time in the car, um, whether I was driving out to Bismarck for, for a presentation or going to Fargo or just going in, in, in back and forth to the office at the law school. Um, Catholic radio was uh on the Real Presence Radio, was on all the time. I would listen to the morning shows, the Morning Gloria, the um, Teresa Tombio, listen to Catholic Answers in the afternoon. Um,
4: I like Catholic Answers. So a, I had questions. And she'd have the radio, she'd
3: have a portable radio for our kitchen, and she'd have it on. They'd be coming home to listen to Catholic Answers.
4: Did you, did you hear about that book that was just on? Awesome? Did you get me that book that was just on? Awesome? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I would
3: I just finish up I'm listening to the same conversation while I'm driving
4: home. So. Oh,
1: so it provided uh, it provided uh, topics for conversation between the two of
2: you. It sounds like too.
4: Exactly.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Very, very
3: edifying. Very edifying. Just wonderful.
2: Well, this is such a yeah. great endorsement for Real Presence Radio and the work that we do and the effect that it can have. I I suspect that you guys might be hearing from us again to be guests during one of our live drives. <laughs> <laughs> We'd
3: be delighted. Yeah. We'd be delighted. <laughs> yes. So thank you to Real Presence Radio for that. It was just, uh, it was yes. all those things were part of that formation process. All it was part of that um, understanding and, and, and questions, that, you know, even ones you hadn't necessarily thought of. you'd say, "Well, yeah, that is a good question."
4: Oh, yes, a, yeah, question for me, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Because no, no, Father Metzger was fantastic, but the first book he gave us was "The Born Fundamentalist, Born Again Catholic" by David Curry, and that was me. That was my upbringing, the, the fundamentalist tenets that he had, and how he 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 changed it than the Catholic views, how you can actually take the the evangelical views and bring them to Catholicism. And no, it he that really touched me. I I must have read that book in two days. I just devoured it. And it really, really meant so much to me to know that that yes, this this is for real. You you can actually do this. You can go from the evangelical church to the Catholic mm-hmm. church and
3: and not be struck by lightning. <laughs> <And> the, Bible, <laughs> the Bible timeline of Jeff Haven's was also something that was oh. really a really valuable resource that was tremendous. Yes, okay. like, don't read their Bible.
4: Well, uh, this actually matches up the Old Testament with the New Testament, and
1: it's fantastic. It, yep, <laughs> and, and it's essential yeah. to match the old because yeah. Jesus fulfills it. Yes.
2: Did Did you have? Absolutely. Did, did you?
4: No, it, it's wonderful.
2: Did you have any significant? Hurdles that you had to overcome in order to cross the Tiber, as they say.
4: <laughs> Steve Ray's book is my next one. I'm going to be reading. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of crossing the Tiber, <laughs>
3: yes, yes. I, I think with with us, it was Warrens was definitely uh, with the family. family was, pressure. My mother was sure.
4: very against it. Very against it, and she part of my questions was she would say things like, "Well." What about this and what about that? Mm-hmm. I've heard David heard say that you know the first time they were in mass, he, he was waiting for him to pull out a statue of Mary and for us all to have to bow down to a statue mm-hmm. of Mary, and it's like, wait a minute, this 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 is Jesus' mother. This he wanted her taken care of. Mm-hmm. Even as he's dying on the cross, he thought that John, take care of my mother. I mean, but why why are we so negative on her in the, in the evangelical church? I don't understand that. That is no, a mystery.
1: But, yeah.
4: It is a mystery, actually, that we just completely ignore her in the evangelical church. She yeah. she has a fantastic role, and I I I learned to appreciate her role. And and no, my mother has had problems with with different things, and she would yes, yeah, she would question me, and it just it it made me question, but in a good way, because I found good Catholic answers and reliable Catholic answers, and. And no, there weren't any red flags. It didn't. It didn't make me go, "Wow, yes, she's right." No, it made me say, "No, actually, this this can work. We mm-hmm. can we can do this." Yeah.
1: The okay. yeah, truth speaks to the heart, doesn't it? <laughs> and it's, it does. Yeah.
2: We've we've got just a, about a minute left, I think, before uh, the, the the break. Do you? Uh, I'd like you to speak to any of the non Catholics that are listening to Catholic radio here to listen listening to Real Presence Radio because I know they are out there. And I, I'd be curious to know what kind of message would you send to to them? Uh, you know, in, in addition to you know, consider the Catholic faith. What would you tell them?
3: Yes, thanks, Jack. I, I would say uh, be open. Um, don't assume that the things that you believe the Catholic Church believes are what it actually believes. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think it's look into good resources. Uh, speak with Catholics. Uh, who are faithful Catholics about what they believe and try and to share the sacraments. about the, the sacrament, learn about the sacraments.
4: That's the difference between evangelical and Catholic. Yeah, you and talk a
3: little bit about sacraments. You know, yeah, the
4: Eucharist. I mean, the, the the Catholic Church is the only one that has the Eucharist and and confession and being able to, to actually empty your conscience that way. Mm-hmm.
3: And it's meant it's been transformative. I can just see having been on both sides, um, both, both walking as a Protestant, walking as a Catholic. I don't know. At this point, I can't imagine life without my Catholic faith. I can't imagine life without the sacraments of confession, of, of the sacrament of reconciliation, of the sacrament of communion and Eucharist. I can't imagine without those graces how I'd be able to continue facing the challenges that are part of being a leader, part of being a person in the community who uh, has to, to to do things on behalf of others and look out for others. Without the strength from that, I don't know how I would be managing that. So I, I've seen both sides and on this side there's life, there's love, and there's life.
4: And okay, thank you. That.
1: <laughs> thank you both for taking the time to be on Real Presence Live and sharing your incredible story. And I wanna thank our son, Connor, who um, Gave us your name and the idea. You got to have these people on, Mom. They're great, and so uh, thanks, wonderful,
3: Connor. former a wonderful young man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank
1: you. But um, anyway, and this witness is—it really is so powerful, and it, it not only witnesses to others, but those of us who are um, cradle Catholics, as they say, it's like it just—it just inflames. Us with the love for what Christ yes. has given us in His church. Yes. So, thanks so much. I hope to meet you someday in
2: person. Yes, thanks, Mike and Marine. We've got to we got to quickly uh, turn it over to to uh, Eli, who's give, going to give us a preview of the next show. But thank you again, Mike and Maureen McGinnis. All right. Hey, thanks, Jack. We got a great show today. Another great one coming up on Monday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. It'll be hosted by Matt Wilcom and Father Jason Kern, coming to you from the Pastoral Center in Winona, Minnesota. They'll visit with Mike Mortensen, team director at Minnesota State University in Mankato, about making disciples in uncertain times. Then Father Bob Horahan, rector of Immaculate Heart of Mary Seminary, will talk about reopening the the seminary in a COVID-19 world. Plus, they'll visit with author Russell Shaw about eight popes who led the church through crisis, of modern modernity, that's that's a word. Modernity. Oh, modernity! Mo- modernity. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Right. Anyway, yeah, tune so... in on Monday morning. You'll hear all about that and much more. Back to you. Okay. Thank you, Eli, and thanks to all of our listeners. I think uh, this was an enjoyable show for me today. I I always enjoy uh, speaking with the the deacons, Jim, and uh, that was certainly a, a, a sobering, an eye opening uh, uh, visit with Todd Mickelson from from Friends of Chimbote and the McGinnises were I, just a delight, and it's always fun to hear those kind of conversion stories.
1: Yes, so we want to wish a happy Father's Day to all of those men out there who are fathers or spiritual fathers or priests who are our fathers. So happy Father's Day, every, every man out there, and God bless you all.
2: Yes, God bless us all. <laughs>